0: Great. Thank you, Guy. Good morning, everybody. Really good to see you here. If you don't know me, my name is Ellen Wilde. I am a minister here. And if you're visiting today, there are quite a few unfamiliar faces today. If this is your first time here at CBC, you are really welcome. It's a delight to us to see New people, so we do hope and pray you feel really welcome among us today. And also, those of you who are joining us from home on the live stream, welcome to you as well. Appreciate you from your sofas joining with us and hope that you're also enjoying the service. Um, One other little bit of family news to share, and that is that um, Kathleen Judd passed away um, a couple of days ago. Uh, She'd been moved into a nursing home quite recently and has had a period of illness. And she passed away, I think it was on Thursday. So do be remembering Alan and her son Ian and two daughters in your prayers. And as and when we know the details of a funeral service, obviously we'll let you know about that. And I also just want to add my enormous thanks to those involved in the Little Church Day Out. You can imagine it's not a small thing to organise. So to Sue O'Keefe and to others of you here who were part of making that happen, a massive thank you. It was such a brilliant church family occasion. So as uh, Kevin said, we're beginning a new series today called Rebuilding. Rebuilding, looking at the book of Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah, a Jewish leader who supervised the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And this feels timely for us at the moment in the season that we're in. Nehemiah is a brilliant book at any time to study and to think about with all sorts of lessons in it. But all the more so for now, We are in a season where some rebuilding is needed. Our communities, our nation is in a season uh, after some upheaval where rebuilding is needed. You need to rebuild something when what was in place before has been damaged or broken or significantly changed. And we're in a time when all that we knew that was established and firm in our lives has been fragmented over the last year and a half with COVID and all that that has brought. Think about your workplaces and homes, the health service, our our family and friendship network, um, education, all of those have been fragmented and unsettled to the degree that what was there isn't as it was anymore. And some kind of rebuilding is needed. So, we wanted to take the first half of this term to look at this book together, what principles it contains, what we can learn from God's word as we enter a season of rebuilding as a church. What is there here in this community, in the way that we operate, in the good news that we hope to be in the surrounding areas? What does rebuilding look like? What can we learn from the people of Israel? And so this morning is chapter one called A Broken Wall and a Broken Heart. The story is set after the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and its temple and took many of the Israelites into a long period of exile. When Persia overthrew Babylon, the people were allowed to return to Jerusalem. And the books of Ezra and Nehemiah are about the stages of return of God's people. The events of this book begin around the year 445 BC and they centre around this person, Nehemiah, and uh, his leadership as he leads the third of three returns by the Jewish people and what happens to them as they try to rebuild. Nehemiah is a book that's about rebuilding Jerusalem, particularly its wall. It's a story about God redeeming his people through men and women acting in faith and it's a story about withstanding difficulty and getting to a place of restoration. All of those things seem pretty timely to me. So we meet Nehemiah at the beginning of this book. He is cupbearer to the king, Artaxerxes. Unlike Ezra, who was a priest, he is a layman serving the Persian king. And he hears from his brother, Hanani. If you do have your Bibles there, you might want to keep it open. There'll be some verses, but it's especially with the Old Testament, it might help you to follow through as we're looking at this passage together. He hears some bad news from his brother about Jerusalem. Uh, verse Three in our chapter, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. This is the news that he hears at that time, which leads to what I think is the key verse in our chapter, verse four. When I heard these things, that's Nehemiah, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He cried and he prayed. People cry about all sorts of things. Some people are more criers than others, aren't they? Some people cry about sad things. Some people cry about happy things. Some people cry about films. I'm not particularly quiet about films. Anybody a film crier? Yeah, tell me a film that gets you every time. I'd love to hear. For me as a child, it was Watership Down. The music, you know, Bright Eyes, it still gets me going a little bit. Any... DIY SOS. So so when they get to the end and they do the big reveal and the person comes in and it's changed their life and Nick Knowles cries and you cry. Yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. That's good, good. Anyone else? It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Anyone with Calvin? No, Calvin, I didn't think so. (laughs) Was oh, there another suggestion? Railway the railway children. Oh, you've got, you've, got, you've got four or five, Cecily, on the railway children. Okay. Megan, did you have a, you know, the railway children? Okay. It's good to identify the criers and the non-criers. It's good to know where we are as church family. People cry about all kinds of things. You know, crying isn't reserved just for the loss of a loved one or the most intense of celebrations like, a, you know, the birth of a child or a, or a long-lost reunion or something. Nehemiah cries about a broken wall, and his tears come from a place of pain about what's happened to Jerusalem, about what's happened to God's people. And so here's this leader. He doesn't rally the troops and rush to action. He weeps, and he mourns, and he prays. Hence our title for today, A Broken Wall and a Broken Heart. Before we dive into lessons that are coming up in subsequent weeks from Nehemiah about important things, how to coordinate people, how to make a plan and so on, the most significant lesson is that to rebuild effectively means prayer. It means prayer first. The foundation of any rebuilding is prayer. Nehemiah weeps, he feels it, and then he prays. If you look at verse 5, he starts, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. And so the prayer begins and goes on. In the book of Nehemiah, there are 11 indications that Nehemiah prays. It's not a long book particularly, but there are 11 indications that he prays. And more specifically, there are seven circumstances in which he prays. So if you think about it, he doesn't just pray often, he prays about all sorts of different things too. Just the first few, just to give you a flavour um, about Nehemiah's prayer life. Here in chapter one, when first facing this in, this need, when he hears the need, the first thing he does, he cries and he prays. In chapter two, verse four, when Nehemiah goes to speak to the king, he prays. Chapter four, verse four, when reproached by his enemies, he prayed. Chapter six. Verse 9, when there were attacks on his life, he prayed. So you you get the idea. We hear about Nehemiah, this incredible leader, who leads the rebuild. What a man. Lessons we can learn. But what he does here and all through this book is the thread of prayer regularly and in any different occasion. My two sons are um, both really into Lego, and I want to show you a Lego that my eldest, Zach, has just finished. This has been his summer project. I'm under strict instructions not to drop this, so give me a moment. Yeah, oh, he'll be glad, oh. If you see him afterwards, you can tell him that he got a round of applause for that. So this is—it's—I um, don't know if you can get a sense of the scale of it, really, or, or you at home if you can kind of see the the size of it. It's by far his largest project so far. So this has been his um, his summer project, and it's—it's really heavy. It had a thousand instructions, um, four thousand pieces. And he's been keeping a log of how long it's taken him, each day he's been working on it, and he thinks it's taken him about 15 and a half hours to complete. It's an excavator, if you can see it. Now it's got um, you know, mechanical parts, you operate it through a tablet, and uh, it, it moves uh, through the use of a, a phone or a tablet, which is amazing, And it's really quite impressive. Now, Zach is incredibly patient, and he knew that in order to to finish this model, the most important bit to get right was the bit right in the middle, and the bit that came first. And it's actually the bit that you can't see. So right in the center of this is the motor and the mechanics, and there's hundreds of tiny little pieces. And it took him hours of work to create the central bit of this model First, And yet when you look at it, what you see is the impressive outside. You know, you see the kind of scoop. Um, I'm running out now. Uh, Who? Bucket. Is that what it's called? I'll get that right for the evening service. Thank you very much. Uh, So you see the impressive outside, but what you don't see is the thing that's at the time and the patience and the effort at the beginning. If you're building something, whatever it might be, you can't bypass the hidden preparatory work that is so crucial. And if you're building or rebuilding for God's kingdom, you can't bypass the vital, hidden work of prayer. People won't see us pray for the most part. People won't realise the fruit of the building was actually prayer for the most part. But significant things, if we want significant things to happen for the kingdom of God, it's the crucial preparation time spent in prayer that will count. Looking at this passage and at Nehemiah's prayer, it seems to me when we're thinking about rebuilding, when we're thinking about rebuilding in prayer, that what's involved is a burden and a vision. And I just want to say a couple of brief things about those two points, that rebuilding involves a burden and a vision. So rebuilding involves a burden. Nehemiah's got this burden for God's people and for the city of Jerusalem that it weighed so heavily on him that he wept over it. The content of our prayer is interesting. His burden for God's ways and God's will, they come over in what he prays. It's an incredibly humble prayer. It's a prayer based on God's covenant with his people. Look at verse 5. It involves repentance. Verse 6, where he says, I confess the sins that we Israelites have committed against you. And He knew that the reason that the Israelites were exiled was because they had failed to walk in God's ways. Nehemiah doesn't specifically ask for anything actually in this prayer until the very end of it where he asks for success in speaking to the king in verse 11. We learn here in this prayer that the person that God uses to rebuild will pray and will pray with a burden, will pray with God's heart and a desire for his kingdom. When God wants to use us, he will often burden us in some way. You might well have experienced that. When I first sensed that God was calling me here to CBC 10 years ago, one of the strong things I felt there was a a stirring, a burden, a real burden for this church and this community. You might watch the news and be burdened by what's going on in Afghanistan or elsewhere. And that pushes you to prayer and to action. God might have given you a burden in the past or at the moment for a particular people group or a need that's led to some involvement or some action on your part. We're looking at what it means to rebuild as a church community here through this September and I wonder what burdens from God you may have. I wonder where some of our prayers are taking us in this season as we look forwards. We've got some thinking to do together about what it looks like for us, Sundays and midweek activities as we rebuild. I'll say a bit more about what that burden might be in a moment. But first, this second thought that rebuilding involves a burden, but also a vision. When Nehemiah hears about the condition in Jerusalem, he could have said, do you know what? That's in the past. That is, that's a long, long time ago. We've moved on. Let's not worry about that anymore. We've lived here for decades. Why don't we just settle down here and worship God here? But he knew something of what God wanted to do with his people. Verse 9, he actually quotes the Lord as saying, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. Babylon wouldn't do. God's purposes involved his name and his glory being made known in Jerusalem. Nehemiah had that vision for himself. God has given us a vision here at CBC. He's called us to reach the lost, the last and the least. He's called us to help people to commit to and become more like Jesus. And Jesus said, I will build my church. It's a promise. He will build his church. And we trust him that maybe he'll do that in this little corner of his kingdom here in Chichester too. Nehemiah is willing to do something about the task in hand. He was burdened by it and then he committed to doing something about it and i just think there's a challenge there for us about we pray as we pray about the future our our futures together as a church and wider as a community to pray for god's burden and god's vision if we are to rebuild that's going to be so important In the coming weeks, as part of this rebuilding theme, we're going to be talking about various gaps and needs, for example, in our church programme and in our various mission activities. Many of us have been re-evaluating our lives and priorities. That's a really good thing. That's really healthy. We want to encourage that. It's good to do that. What's the right thing to, to say yes and no to in this season that we find ourselves in? We've been recalibrating, haven't we? So many of us. But that does mean that... We're left with lots of gaps here, as understandably people have stepped down from some things. There are some things that we just can't run at the moment because we don't have the volunteers. Now, there's, there is no sense of, of guilt here or obligation at all. We're, we're pleased that people take seriously our heart, that we want round pigs in round holes and things have a season. But just as some people might have re-evaluated and have stepped down from some things, maybe others of us in our re-evaluating might be ready to take on something new and to get involved. We'll say more in the coming weeks but just as a little taster for you as an example these are the sorts of things coming up that we'll be talking to you about we need people in all these areas and wider to make them happen sunday hospitality we can't run a coffee rota for example at the moment stewards welcomers, information desk we'd love people to help us run online alpha cap befrienders and prayer supporters. We could do with people to help cook and serve in lunch club. Some of our alternative gatherings are going to need uh, support. Worship team and tech support are real need and wider. And what the hope is, is that in coming weeks, on on subsequent Sundays, we'll put a bit of a shout out for some of these things. And uh, you might like to get in touch with us if you're interested. We're going to be around. You can come and talk to us. Um, And on subsequent Sundays, we'll be saying a bit more about that. Maybe God might give you a burden for a particular area of service. Our hope is that by the end of September, we might be in a position to restart lots of the things that we've had to pause over the last 18 months. And of course, this is wider than CBC, of course it is. We're praying that God gives us a burden in our frontline places. Maybe God is burdening you to serve not on a particular road to here necessarily, but a particular need wider in the community in your workplace, in your neighbourhood. Where is it, God, that you are giving us a burden? And where can you give me a vision? Nehemiah saw a broken wall and had a broken heart. For him, rebuilding involved a burden and a vision, which came from a place of prayer. I'm really looking forward in future weeks to seeing how, how under Nehemiah's leadership, the Jews withstand opposition. They come together to accomplish their goal but this happens with prayer first and the thread of prayer that weaves throughout. At the heart of that Lego model was the hidden motor and the mechanics, which no one sees, but had to take priority for the whole model to come together. All that we do here at CBC and in our personal lives and wider will be so much more effective if it comes from a place of prayer that leads to burden and vision. It seems right hearing about Nehemiah's prayer and the priority of prayer to spend some time in prayer. So for the final uh, time, chance, section of our time together, Calvin's going to help us uh, worship and uh, pray in response to that and give us a little bit of space to respond to what God is saying. Thanks, Calvin.